I like traveling, going from one place to the other. I come from Africa. I'm in Europe right now, somewhere we call Greece. But we've had some other people move from Greece and go to Africa. Or from the United States or Canada and go to Africa. Now, this is Book Talk. I'm your host, Anthony Moirore. Today we have an author who's traveled all the way that direction that I just mentioned last. And he's going to tell us the details. I'm not going to tell you the details. He's going to tell us the details. When authors come at Book Talk, they come and tell us about their authorship journey. They come and tell us about much more than that, their life experiences. And most importantly, they tell us about their books. Today, we have a great guest known as Frank French, and he's going be here to be here shortly. But before I welcome him, I'll ask you to please share this episode with all your friends. And if you have a question, ask. If you have a comment as we are moving on, please make it. We love a feedback. We appreciate that. And so... Thank you very much, each and every one of you, for being here with us. Even though, even if you may be watching after we are through with the live transmission, so you're watching the, the recorded version, we still appreciate you. So I want to take uh, one more minute. I'm just going to ask you to join me as we go to meet our guest author of the day, Frank. So in a short while. He'll be here. Let's go. Hello, Frank. Hello, Anthony. How are you today? I'm doing good and good to see you. Oh, good. Thank you. It's good to see you also. Yes. Welcome to Book Talk. Thank you. Yeah. Can we know a little bit about yourself? But first and foremost, where are you? Uh, I'm in uh, Southern Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, USA, south of Pueblo, Colorado. So. Uh, just outside my window, there's a peak that goes up to 12,400 feet. Wow. Uh, not much compared to Mount Meru, but it's still a pretty big mountain for us. So. <laughs> That's so wonderful. And now you mentioned Mount Meru. There are people who may not have an idea where that mountain is. Where is that? So Mount Meru is in Kenya. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually lived in the town of Meru, which is close to it. Uh, one of my big regrets in life right now, if you see my background, you see some backpacks. So I climb a lot of what we call 14ers in Colorado, but I wasn't into that when I was lived in Kenya. And so I never climbed Mount Meru. So I'm disappointed. Hopefully one day I'll come back and climb it. So. 
Wow, wow. So uh, keep climbing, keep climbing. How far back was that uh, that you were in Kenya? Uh, 1982 to 1984. And what had taken you there? You know, so it's kind of a story of my life, and my books are really a part of a story of my life. Uh, I uh, came from a traditional Christian background. during a charismatic revival in the United States in the early 70s. I was going through a difficult time. Some lady came and said, uh, you need the Holy Spirit. We prayed and uh, I was sitting on this high back oak chair and we prayed and I got up and uh, we looked at the back of this oak chair and it had been glazed over, like it had been overheated. And this was really a light time, and we just laughed. We didn't know whether that was the devil going out or the Holy Spirit coming in. And uh, But that started an adventure. I just had this fire to serve God. And as I was serving God, I, I felt this call to go to Kenya. Mm-hmm. Why Kenya? I don't know. I'd never been to Kenya, didn't know anything about it, didn't know any how to get there. And uh, through a number of amazing, quote-unquote, coincidences, uh, I got to Kenya. So I went with my wife and three young children at the time. They were three, five, and seven, and uh, we lived there for a year and a half. And uh, the first half of that period of time, I lived in Meru, which is a town not far from Mount Meru. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, just beautiful. I think the elevation was around 5,000 feet or so, which much of Kenya is high high altitude. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the climate was beautiful. The people were beautiful. I had a wonderful time ministering. Most of my ministry was out in what I called the bush. Out. I didn't minister in big towns or anything. I went out to little villages and small churches out in the outlying areas. Uh, and uh, went up among the Samburu, if you, hopefully I'm saying that's right. So Yeah, you are saying it very well. Uh, had a wonderful time there. This is out in the desert country. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then uh, moved down to Mombasa, which is a completely different climate, very hot, very humid, but again, very beautiful, very tropical, and had wonderful experiences. I, uh, I went south of Mombasa and visited some some local areas where a white man had never been before. So, mm-hmm. in fact, I was preaching in this one local area and uh, the men, some of the men had seen white men before because they'd been into Mombasa, but the women had never been to Mombasa, so they'd never seen a white man. I was preaching and just going on and uh, all of a sudden, I realized that my translator wasn't translating. He was talking to, to, the, to the people. And so after he got finished, he explained to me that the women had never seen a white man before. And he realized that they weren't listening. And so he wanted to have this discussion to explain, you know. So anyway, anyway so I have great memories of, of Kenya. I just loved it, loved the people beautiful country so thank you for having me so yeah but anyway, going on really quickly with the story then i went to france for 13 years as a missionary there then i came back to the united states and uh and 
in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a lot of uh, Christian uh, feeling that the rapture was coming and mm -hmm. Jesus was coming back. And saw a lot of what I'm going to say, crazy things, spiritual immaturity, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. And this set me on this, this, this quest, God, what, what are we in the end times? What does it mean? What should we be doing? And so this led to these four books. The first book was Daniel, God's bondservant, mm -hmm. which when I read it, um, I, uh, when I wrote the book, it took me 30 years to write, write that book. So that's a, but when I finally wrote it, I realized where Daniel wrote, he said, uh, Daniel purposed in his heart to not defile himself with the king's food. Mm -hmm. I realized that what Daniel really did is he made a, a bond servant covenant with God. Mm -hmm. And so when he made this covenant, he covenanted to serve God and God covenanted to protect him. And so Daniel and his three partners, and I realized that one of the messages of the end time was to learn how to walk in covenant with God. Uh -huh. And so we see with Daniel's, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, when after interpreted, Nebuchadnezzar called Daniel, God's servant, servant of the Most High God. Mm -hmm. Then chapter 3, when his three friends uh, before the fiery furnace, when Nebuchadnezzar called them out of the furnace, uh, he said, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. And then in chapter 6, when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, when he came out, uh, Darius called him servant of the Most High God. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I began to see that uh, in difficult times, uh, God wanted us to be his bondservants because it put it under the covenant umbrella. And then the second book I wrote was on uh, uh, called Lord of the Harvest. And I realized we, we didn't really understand the heart of the book of Revelation because it's about God trying to bring in the last harvest. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's really a book about love and a book about God re or people rejecting God. And then, uh, as, because I've written these books, I, I began to have this fascination. I, you know, I saw these great men that God used, and I wondered, well, how was this? What, what was the chemistry of all of this? So my third book is called World Shakers. And uh, I began studying the men that God, that Daniel, Daniel wrote about. Mm -hmm. He wrote about the Maccabees. He wrote about Ezra and Nehemiah. He wrote about Jesus. He, he, and indirectly, he wrote about Paul and people like this. So I began, so I wrote this book called World Shakers. And it started out talking about the character of men that God used. And then I began to realize that they were men of prayer. And then I realized, well, these men were anointed by God. And then finally, I realized that in the Bible and in church history, that the great men of God were all of these things, but also they were the men that God used in times of revival. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, for example, in Kenya, uh, 
T.L. Osborne, I think it was in the early 60s, came to Kenya and mm. it just set Kenya on fire with revival. And, uh, you know, I don't know what percentage of Kenya is Christian now, but I know it's a large percentage. Yeah. But it started with a, a man of God who came with passion and mm. it set a fire. Mm -hmm. so, um, so that was this book. And it led me to the the end of it. I began to I realized that all of these great people that I'm studying they serve God in times of revival. Mm -hmm. And then I began to realize, well, people in in revivals in the 20th century were talking about this great revival that was coming that would be global. They would we would see the glory of God like the world has never seen before. And so I said, gee, God, I really want to want to be a part of this. I want to understand it. I thought we've never seen this before. But then I realized that that's not really true. Mm. Uh, in the Bible, we had a revival that lasted for 40 years where the glory of God encompassed the people daily for 40 years. And that's in the book of Exodus. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I came up with this book called The Glory Paradigm. It's the paradigm of Exodus. And I gleaned from this book the lessons of things to prepare for the glory revival that's coming. So uh, so that's kind of my uh, journey from getting saved to, to writing these four books. So, writing book. so how has it been because from the time that you started writing your book, so what, what, when was the first book? When exactly was the first book? Which okay, I started writing in, in the mid-1980s. Okay. And I wrote it a couple of times and threw it away. Threw it away because it, it didn't have the anointing. It didn't have a message. And then uh, at about 1916... Uh, all of a sudden, I was reading the book of Daniel. I couldn't let go of it. And I read this passage I quoted, Daniel purposed in his heart uh -huh. not to despise himself with the king's food. Yeah. And then I got that revelation of bond servanthood. And right at the very end of that, when we covenant with God, he takes on protecting us, providing for us, blessing us, guiding us. And he gifts us. And so at the end of chapter one, we see God gifted Daniel and his three friends. Mm. And I realized, well, this is covenant. And so that's when I wrote the, my first book. It took, took me 30 years to write it, or 25, 30, <laughs> 40 years, something like that. Yeah. And God brought me to an editor who brought me to a book illustrator who led me to getting the book on Amazon. So oh, that's, that's beautiful. It's wonderful. And now, you, since you talk about that journey from you writing, getting an editor, a publisher, and I thought that you maybe published it in the, those olden times when things were so complex. So it's qu not quite a big difference from the time that you first published your book, your first book, uh, and this time that you've published now your fourth book. Right. They're just about the same. Yes, it, it, it you know, it's, I never dreamed of writing a book. Mm -hmm. 
And then I wrote my first book and I said, one and done. And uh, then I thought, well, if you write a book on Daniel, you really ought to write a book on, on Revelation. Mm-hmm. So when I've written my books, uh, I don't write them like you're supposed to. Most people, when they write a book, I know you've written, so you probably understand this. I'm not sure how you write, but most people, when they write a book, they say the first thing you should do is write an outline. Yeah. Lay out, book, lay out what you're doing. Uh, but I could never do that. Okay. So when I would write a book, I would start with chapter one, page one, uh, try to hear what God wanted me to start writing with. And then as I would write, the book would unfold. Mm-hmm. So when I get to, got to the end of the book, then I had to go back and make the book flow together because when I wrote a chapter, I didn't know what the next chapter was. Yes. So, uh, so I wrote the book on Revelation. Uh, and, and if you're familiar with the book of Revelation, uh, you know, I just said, God, this is the most impossible task ever. Mm-hmm. How can I write about all these images, all these crazy things? Uh, but I started writing. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, I can write about the seven churches. So I wrote about the seven churches. And then I thought, well, I can write about the throne, you know, the scene on the throne, the two or three chapters on the throne. And then I got to chapter seven. You know, now these are all these crazy visions. Uh, and I thought, Lord, I have no idea. But I, I, I had learned someplace I had read that in uh, Jewish literature, ancient literature, biblical literature, yeah. that the high point of the literature is not at the end, like in American writing, Western uh-huh. culture writing, it's in the middle. Uh-huh. So I said, God, if there's a theme to the book of Revelation, it's got to be in the middle of the book. Because uh-huh. that's the high point. Uh-huh. So um, I thought, well, the first three chapters are kind of an, in- an introduction. Then we got chapters five, six, and seven. It's thrown on. And I said, well, somewhere around 12, 13, 14, 15, I ought to find the theme, the real theme to the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to uh, chapter 14, in chapter 14, it's the two harvests, the harvest of the wicked and the harvest of the just. Okay. And, and I realized that's the story, the harvest. That's why it's called Lord of the Harvest. This was God's last great push to bring in the last people who would hear his message of love before the curtain falls. And, and where uh, a lot of people think about the book of Revelation, doom, gloom, God's wrath, uh, what it really is is God holding back. The, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. And God holding back the wages of sin until he could bring in the last people to get saved. And then the curtain falls. So, um, so anyway, so that's led me to that book. So. And that's that's wonderful. Now, today we maybe know much more about your latest book. Tell us about more uh, about it more. The the glory. Well, the glory paradigm. Uh, the paradigm yeah. 
Yes, the glory paradigm is uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Solomon wrote, what has been will be again. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was a Solomon is considered by the Jewish people a prophet. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so he was prophesying. Uh, so he, re, he lived about a thousand BC. He was prophesying that something uh, that had been will be again. And one of the had have beens that has not been again is a glory revival. And uh, when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt and brought them into Canaan, the land of promise, uh, he did it through his constant presence with his people. It was a visible presence. It was a cloud. It was warmth in the in the night and coolness in the day. It was direction. It was transforming. It was provision. It was just just this amazing 40 years of con- of the constant presence of God. Mm-hmm. And and so uh I realized that uh, this happened. God spoke to Abraham and he said, he said, I am going to deliver my people in the fullness of time. Mm-hmm. And part of the fullness of time, he said, when the oppression of Egypt, which is a symbol of the world, is really heavy on, my, on your descendants. And when the wickedness of Canaan has reached an intolerable uh, length, um, and, and then he said four generations, 400 years, and those are kind of complicated to interpret, but there was this fullness of time and that fullness of time came and, and uh, God called Moses. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I believe we're in a fullness of time. The third um, seal uh, the fifth seal, when Jesus opens the fifth seal, the seal is about martyrs. Mm-hmm. And there's these souls of the martyrs that are under the altar. And uh, if we look at the period we're living in, there has never been a time of persecution to Christians like there is right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you If you look globally, if you look at Africa, uh, if you look at, I'm going to call it radical Islam, and I really want to clarify here. I lived in Kenya, uh, and there are a number of Muslims in Kenya, mm-hmm. and I had some, some, some Muslims in Kenya extended kindness to me far beyond anything that you could expect. So when I talk about radical Islam, I just want to clarify that radical Islam is not talking about all Muslims. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. If you look through going down through Africa, uh, you know, from uh, Ethiopia, Somalia, going down through the Central African Republic, all the way down almost to um, South Africa, there's an inflammation of and of radical Islam where Christians are being driven from the land, they're being killed, being persecuted. You go to China, India, Pakistan, 
Afghanistan, uh, you know, throughout the world, there are more Christians being killed and persecuted today than ever before. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the time is ripe for glory revival. If you look at the world scene in the United States uh, from a biblical perspective, uh, degradation of morality, uh, it's time for glory revival. So, Wow, so it's time for glory revival. And uh, this is uh, why we are encouraging the people to go and find the book. In addition to reading the other books, uh, go get the latest book by Frank, which is The Glory Paradigm. It's forwarded by Chris Tracy. Yeah. Uh, do you think of writing another book in addition to these ones that you've written? Now, I, we used, you tell us that you didn't imagine yourself becoming a writer before. Now, do you have plans of proceeding in writing another one? Yeah, that's a good question. Mm. Uh, I, I had felt like when I wrote The Glory Paradigm, I was finished. I, I, I didn't want to write another book. I, I'm not sure how it is for you, but when I write a book, it's, it's all encompassing. It, it, my life becomes encompassed in what I'm writing, and it's, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a very focused work. Uh, but I realized I really want to be a part of this glory revival. Mm -hmm. My heart cry is God use me. Uh, and uh, so I said to God one day, I said, God, what, what do I need to do to be ready for you to use me? Mm -hmm. And uh, God gave me a terrible answer. <laughs> God said, uh, study the Song of Songs. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you've read the Song of Songs, uh, uh, I have read it because uh, I read through the Bible once a year. Yeah. Every time, every time I read the Song of Songs, I say, "God, why did you put this book in the Bible?" And I move on, you know. <laughs> uh, and and so, but you know, I have to be honest. It's not really polite to tell God when He tells you something that that's a terrible answer. Yeah. So I didn't have the heart to tell God that I, that was a terrible answer. So I decided that. I needed to start studying the Song of Songs. Mm -hmm. And so I started reading it and rereading it. And, uh, and you know, uh, I'm a man, you know, and, and this yeah. is a story about a woman. Yeah. And I said, God, you know, I don't, I'm not a woman. I don't relate to this at all. But, but God began to speak to me, giving revelation and, uh, I realize it's a parable. It's just like when God gave the parable, Jesus gave the parable about the sower sowing the seed. Well, I don't know anything about farming. I don't know anything about seed, mm -hmm. but I understand the parable. And so God said, you're not a woman. You don't have to be a woman. And he said, in fact, a man wrote the story so you can understand it. Mm -hmm. so, uh, I, so I began to get into it and I realized that to, to understand the Song of Songs, you had to see it as a, as a stage theatrical production. Okay. And, and, uh, and you, you've got this 
the Shulamite, which is this woman, the introductory scene, she says, let him, talking to the shepherd king, let him kiss me with kisses. Well, I thought, oh, yuck, you know. Uh, <laughs> but then I realized this is a parable. She was inviting, she was wanting to have a passionate or impassioned relationship with the shepherd king. Yeah. And, the, and the, the Shulamite is an imperfect person that progresses throughout the song. But the shepherd king is the perfect person that makes no mistakes. He's Jesus. And uh, so I, I began to realize, well, uh, what the reason God wanted me to study the Song of Songs is because if he, if he was going to use me in this glory revival, I had to have this hunger for a passionate relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this is a book I'm writing about. I'm, I'm on chapter four of it. I have no, many, no idea how many chapters there are going to be. Uh, all I know is, is that uh, it's an exciting adventure in love. And uh, I want to love my Savior passionately. And this is leading me into it. So uh, that's my next book. That's that's wonderful. And we wish you great writing. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It's very kind of you. Yeah. Continu continued inspiration and uh, the strength to keep going with it. Okay. Thank you. Yes. So we really appreciate you taking your time and joining us here at Book Talk. Thank you very much, Frank, because we are almost coming to the end of the show. Okay, well, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I love your country, your people, uh, the wisdom that comes out of Kenya. Uh, I envy the great runners that you produce. I, I'm no longer. I'm I'm a mountain climber. I'm no longer a runner. But uh, anyway, I just you know, I enjoy th being with you. And what a great country you come from. So God bless. Yeah, God bless you. Climbing a mountain is as well quite challenging. Maybe I think. Uh, I think if I choose uh, one of the lesser challenges, I will choose running. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, either. I used to run, but not long distance, but I used to do jogging. But uh, now it's mountain climbing. So okay. anyway, so God bless you. Thank you very much. God bless you. But before you go, at Book Talk, we usually ask our guests to leave us with a few words that we should always remember. And uh, taking from your wisdom, what are the few words that you would leave us with? Uh, God loves us so passionately. Uh, in the Song of Songs, this Shulamite is lamenting about her darkness, which I would say her, her ugliness. She's talking about her spiritual state. And uh, she's lamenting and Jesus, the, the shepherd king, uh, which is Jesus, says, yet you are so lovely. So I'd just like to leave with that thought, yet you are so lovely, and God loves you so passionately. Amen. Thank you. All right. Thank you. God bless. God bless. God loves you. And also to the listener or the viewer, please remember that God loves you passionately. Amen. Those are words coming from Frank. And uh, we really thank you once again.
So this has been Book Talk. I have been your host, Anthony Moirore, and together with our guest today, Frank Raj, we are saying keep reading and keep remembering that there is hope in Christ. God loves you so much that he gave Christ for your sake. Amen. Bye for now. Bye. God bless. Bye. God bless.